0: Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's word together. We have been in a series called I'm Not Okay. And uh, in the series, what what we've been talking about is like somehow, sometimes on the outside, we can look like we've got it all going on. Like we've got it put together. We could come in here with our, our best smiles on and feel like everything's good, while on the inside, we could be falling apart. And so what we've been talking about in this series is that it's okay for you not to be okay, that you found a place where you can express what's going on inside of you. In fact, just even speaking for me, sometimes I'm not okay. And so it's so good to be able to get into God's house, to realign myself through worship and through reading of his word, to get myself back on track so that I can keep going. And today we're going to be talking about being tired. I think many of us would come in here today and we would say, I'm not okay I'm tired. And so my oldest son, Brody, he asked me uh, last week, speaking of this week, and he said, hey, Dad, what are you going to be teaching on this Sunday? And I said, well, I'm going to be talking about being tired and and how we need rest and, and the Sabbath. And he was like, well, I've got the sermon all done for you. And I was like, oh, sweet. Like, what is this? And he goes, just tell everybody to take a nap for the next 30 minutes. Done. Like, sermon is done. And I was like, wow, that is a great idea. Like, so for the next 30 minutes, we're just going to take a nap. If we could kill the lights, we're not going to do that. All right. Some of you are just like, you're rejoicing a little too much inside. You're like, yes. Some of you are like, this is a little weird. But, uh, you know, but we're not going to do that. Really, what we're going to do is because the reality is we don't need rest. I know this is daylight savings time. We got an extra hour of sleep. We don't need just more rest. We don't need a nap. What we need is what the Bible calls a Sabbath. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I wanted to start off and I wanted to open up with a story about uh, that the Greeks would tell. And the Greeks, they had this king named Sisyphus. And, and King Sisyphus, uh, uh, he was a guy who deceived his people. And so the Greek gods decided to punish him. And one way that they punished him was they made this king roll this giant boulder, this huge rock up this giant hill. And he would roll it up the hill only to have the rock roll all the way back down again. And so the next day he'd walk down the mountain. The next day he would go and grab this rock and start rolling it all the way back up the hill only to have it roll back down again. And then the story goes that he did this over and over and over again for the rest of his life. Now, some of you hearing this story, you might be like, well, cool story, bro. Like, what the heck does this have to do with what we're talking about? Because the reality is, for many of us, we aren't going to be rolling a giant boulder up a hill only to have it roll back down again. But we all know this feeling of doing something over and over and over again when we do laundry, right? Like how many of you know that feeling all too well? You wash the clothes, you dry the clothes, you put the clothes away, you turn away for two hours only to have there be more clothes. And you're like, how are we going through this many clothes? If it's not laundry for you, maybe it's dishes. You wash the dishes, dry the dishes, put the dishes away. Maybe today you're a little football or watch your favorite movie. You come back and you want something to drink and you grab a glass or whatever. And you're like, how do we have this many dishes? Why are there 27 cups and 16 plates? Like, why does everybody need a new cup, a new plate when they come to the kitchen? Like, it doesn't make any sense. But even if it's not laundry or dishes, it's emails, right? Like, we know this feeling all too well when it comes to emails. We we have like 187 emails. We delete 100 of them because it's just spam. And then we reply and, and deal with the other 87 of them. And after a couple hours, we're like, ah, oh, this is good. We stretch, we leave, we come back. There's 87 more emails that we need to go back and answer and do over and over and over again. All of us, to some degree, have experienced the frustration of having to do work over and over again. This is just the nature of our work. Work never seems to be done. But just because our work never stops doesn't mean that we can't stop our work. So we need rest. We need what the Sabbath or what the Bible calls a Sabbath. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And as we talk about the Sabbath, I would encourage you to keep this phrase in your minds, to kind of remember this and internalize this phrase. It's that we don't keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath keeps us. We don't keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath keeps us. If we can understand that idea and internalize that truth, it'll it'll change the way that we work. It'll change the way that we relate to other people. And it'll change the way that we uh, relate with God. So no matter if you're here today and you're a teacher, you're a student, you're a a stay-at-home mom or dad, or, or you own your own business, or you're in the military, we all need a Sabbath. We all need rest. This is applicable to us all across the board because the reality is if we Sabbath, we are being good stewards of our souls and our bodies that God has given us. So what does the Bible say about a Sabbath? Well, Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock. Some of us, that's our dogs and cats, right? Like some of us aren't farmers here. (laughs) Or the sojourn who's at your gates, your visitors. Verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. What we're reading here in Exodus chapter 20 is we're coming in the middle of what's known as the Ten Commandments. And this is the, the fourth commandment here. And uh, there's a couple of things about the commandments that we need to know. And, and really where we need to start is that Moses is giving these commandments to, to the Israelites. And, he, and this is right after they get uh, delivered from the land of slavery and right as they are about to go and enter the promised land. And so Moses is giving these commandments. And, and one important thing that we need to know is that when God gave the 10 commandments, when he gave them to the Israelites, it was to show them how they were to have a relationship with him. God brought them out of the land of slavery. And, and the reality is their identity was just in their work. The Ten Commandments was a way of showing them how to have a relationship with God. And it's really important that we know that because God didn't say, hey, if you obey all the Ten Commandments, if you do everything I tell you to do, then maybe, just maybe, I'll consider delivering you and setting you free. It's not what he says. He set them free from Egypt and out of his love and his grace, he said, now that you're free, here's a new way that you live in this world. This is how you have a relationship with me. The other important thing to know about the 10 commandments is that the Sabbath commandment is just a little bit longer than some of the other commandments. There's a little bit more words and things going on in it. And you might be thinking, well, well why is that? Because as you look through this, you can go to verse 12, honor your father and mother and your days will be long. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. So why is this fourth commandment? Why is there so much attached to it? Here's what I think is happening. For 400 years, the people of God had one identity. And that identity was that they were slaves. And the job of slaves was to work. Pharaoh worked and overworked the children of Israel. So much so that he told them, hey, you got to produce this many bricks. And they would produce those bricks and they would meet that. But then he was like, hey, you still got to produce the same amount of bricks. But guess what? I'm going to remove the straw from it but you still got to do the same thing. He overworked these, the, these Israelites and, and their very existence was found just on their ability to work. And if they could not work, they were not fit to live. See, I think we all know this feeling all too well because at age four or five, what were you asked? What do you want to be when you grow up, right? What career do you want to have? My kids, when they were in preschool or kindergarten, it was like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? What job do you want to have? And listen, I, I'm not saying that's a bad question to ask. We, we should think about our careers and our jobs and, and what we're going to be doing. We should ask our kids about those things. So I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but I think there's a better question to be asking. The question is, is what kind of character qualities do you want to have? What kind of virtues do you want to have? But instead, at a very early age, we're all ingrained with, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. The Bible does teach that work is a good thing. I think for some of us, we think, well, uh, work is here because of sin. Like I have the job that I have or I have work because that's the result of a fallen world. That's why we have it. But that's not at all the case. There was work before there was sin. And so God created work and it was to be a good thing. But the problem for many of us is when it comes to our work, our work becomes this powerful force that disconnects us from our relationship with God. See, many of us, we become obsessed with work and it makes us violent people. You might be hearing this, you're like, violent people? Like, Nate, like, I'm not a violent person, you know? But I'm not talking about wars, I'm not talking about riots, I'm not talking about fighting people with our fists, I'm talking about the violence that you are doing to your souls, In fact, this week, as I was reading and setting about the Sabbath, I came across a book by an author named Wayne Mueller, and he puts it this way. He says that a successful life has become a violent enterprise. We make war on our bodies, pushing them beyond their limits. War on our children, because we cannot find enough time to be with them when they are hurt and afraid and need our company. War on our spirit. Because we are too preoccupied to listen to the quiet voice that seeks to nourish and refresh us. War on our communities because we are fearfully protecting what we have and do not feel safe enough to be kind and generous. War on the earth because we cannot take the time to place our feet on the ground and allow it to feed us, to taste its blessing, and to give thanks. That's a powerful statement there. I think many of us would come in here today saying, I'm not okay. I'm tired because we're doing some of these things. I was talking to someone this last week and they asked me, hey, what do you teach it on? I said, the Sabbath. And, and they're like, man, this is so good because I just got off a conference call with someone and they were bragging about how little sleep they get, but how much they produce. And I think for many of us, that's exactly where we're at. I think for some of us with our kids, we're going to, we're working so hard and we're going to wake up one day and we're going to see them walk out the door and we're going to go, where did all the time go? We're doing war on ourselves, war on our souls. Most of us are way too overworked. And because of that, we are violent people doing violence to our souls and being violent with other people as well. I think most people think that highly productive people, well, they just do more, right? How do I know this? Because if you ask anybody, how you doing? Nine times out of 10, what do they say? Busy. How you doing? Busy. How's life been going? Busy. What's been going on? Busy, right? It's just become kind of the social acceptable norm that we're just busy. It's okay to say that. It's okay to say that I'm busy than to do life in the rhythms that God intended us to do life in. Just because you can do more doesn't mean you should do more. And so there's two kinds of rhythms in our life. There's a secular rhythm. And what we're seeing here is a sacred rhythm. A secular rhythm goes like this. It's work, 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 vacation, thank you, God, I needed this, right? And then it's back to work, 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 work. vacation, oh, Lord, I needed this so bad. And over and over and over again, we do this, right? That's the secular rhythm, because here's the reality. We do this, and and we will not experience a joy-filled, emotionally healthy life that we think the vacation will give us, because the reality is, what do we have after a vacation? The post-vacation blues, right? We get depressed. We go, oh, I got to go back to work, and I don't want to go back to work. And what do we say after a vacation? We always go, well, I need a vacation from my vacation, right? Right? That's the secular rhythm. But the sacred rhythm, the rhythm we're going to be talking about today is that we work and then we Sabbath. We work and then we Sabbath. See, what many of us need today is not just a vacation. What we need is an ongoing weekly rhythm of pausing and stopping and resting to be with God. Because we don't keep the Sabbath. The Sabbath keeps us. Now, some of you might be thinking, well, what the heck is the Sabbath? Like, that's a very churchy word. Like, you know, what does that even mean? Well, simply put, it's a literal 24-hour period of time with no have-to's or should-do's. And when we do that, it's deep rest and renewal that will come from that. Now, for me, I, I didn't grow up seeing the Sabbath really practiced, uh, it's something that over the last year I've tried to implement into my own life, something that I'm, I'm practicing. And as I'm learning about things, I'm, I'm trying to put it into practice in my own life. So this is something very, I, I guess, even a little new to me as I'm, I'm working through this in my own life over the last year. Because the reality is when I heard it taught in church, I heard it taught one of two ways. It was either the very legalistic way. Well, you don't work on Sunday. You don't go out anywhere because you're forcing other people to work. Because again, in Exodus, it's talking about the servants, the male servants, the female servants. Like, like you don't do that because you're causing them to work. And, and guess what? The Sabbath is only on Sunday. And so I heard it the very legalistic way. But then I also heard it the other way, which is very, uh, It's irrelevant. Well, that's Old Testament. Like, we're New Testament, you know? Like, I don't, I don't buy into that. But what I'm learning is we've got to find the middle ground. As some of you hearing this, you're like, well, I don't know that I can do this. So I'm a stay-at-home mom or dad, own my own business. Like, I don't know that I can break away for a literal 24-hour period of time. Listen, I would encourage you. What I did was I just started praying and asking God to reveal this to me, to speak to me as I wanted to implement this in my own life. Quite frankly, I find that I'm a little grumpier when I don't have a Sabbath. So I would encourage you, if you feel yourself getting a little grumpy, take a Sabbath, you know. But, but pray to God about it. Ask God, God, how can I implement this in my life? And just like with tithing, just like prayer, just like Bible reading, you got to start somewhere. You can't just start, you, you got to start doing something. And so maybe for you, it's just starting for two hours. For two hours, every, uh, every week, you're just going to Sabbath. You're just going to rest. And you build up to that 24-hour period of time. But for me, practically speaking, mine will start on a Thursday at 6 p.m., end on a Friday at 6 p.m., and that's what it looks like. But I know with our family, it's going to change. Maybe it'll start Friday at 4 p.m. to Saturday at 4 p.m. As we pray and as we seek the Lord and how this works with our family flow. But the Sabbath is a 24-hour period of time with no have-tos or should-dos. See, the Sabbath is a spiritual practice that points to Jesus. That's what the author of Hebrews says. Uh, Hebrews, I think it's four, chapter four, verse 10. He talks about how Jesus is our Sabbath. If you want to experience true rest and peace in your life, well, give your life to Jesus and you'll experience that rest and that peace so it's, a, it's an invitation to, to rest in Jesus, but the Sabbath is also an invitation to do life that is not dominated and distorted by overwork. We need to do life in the rhythms that God intended us to do them in. And so the Sabbath is a time for us to trust and rest. See, the degree to which you are able to trust is the degree to which you're able to rest. How do I know this? Because I've been on a plane before. I don't trust the plane. I don't trust the pilot. I don't trust aerodynamics. Like that's just where I'm at. And because I don't trust any of that, anytime there's turbulence, I go, are we going down? What's going on, Lord? You know, and I'm looking around. I'm trying to find the stewardess. They're okay. Okay. I'm okay. You know, like that's just, that's how it goes. I know this too, because I love Pastor Devon. Great hang. Love hanging out with the guy. But, and I've driven a lot of places with him. But let me tell you, he doesn't trust me when I drive. How do I know this? He doesn't rest either. Because when we're driving and we're talking, we're having a good conversation, there'll be brake lights ahead. I know what's going on. I'm assessing the situation. Like, it's all fine, all right? But we're talking and and he'll see it. And he's like, brake, brake, lights, lights. And he's like hitting his foot on the driver. And I'm like, what are you doing? And sometimes he grabs me by the arm and he's like, brake, do you see that? I'm like, calm down, Charlie Brown. Like, come on, we're Okay. (laughs) But see, the degree to which you're able to trust is the degree to which you're able to rest. If there is no trust in your relationship with God, you will have no rest. And so the Sabbath becomes a way of helping us trust in God. Or we go, God, I trust that you're going to take care of my needs. I'm not going to be grabbing you by the arm going, God, do you see my needs? Do you see my needs? And we're going to trust God with our needs. We're going to trust that while I'm resting, God is working. Even though I'm not in control of anything, I know that he is. So I'm going to trust him. That's what the Sabbath is about. So how do we get to all the have-tos and should-dos? Like, we're not doing that. How do we, what are we supposed to do in this 24-hour period of time? Well, there's really four principles, four words that I think can, if we position, that we can put into our lives, we can position ourselves in a way where we can experience this deep rest and trust in God. And the first word is to stop. It's to stop. The Hebrew language Sabbath means stop, cease, or rest. In fact, I want to point your attention to Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. It says, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. See, this is coming right after the creation. God spoke and things came into existence. And as things were created, what we're seeing here is that God stopped and he rested. But I want to make something very clear here. What this verse is not saying is that he rested because God needed a nap. He was tired of speaking things into existence, so he needed some rest. That's not at all what this verse is saying. In fact, you could go to Isaiah and you can read the fact that it'll say that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, the God who made everything, formed everything, spoke everything into existence. Our God is not tired. He doesn't grow weary. He just keeps working. He keeps moving. So this verse isn't like, hey, God needed a nap. No, it's that he stopped his work. And what we're seeing here is that work and rest should be the rhythms of our life. When we stop our work, whether it's paid work or unpaid work, we are honoring and we are imitating our father. There's a lot of things that we do that's work. We talked about some of those, right? Laundry, dishes, emails, grocery shopping can be work, right? Right? And so if it's work for you, we are called to stop that work and to rest and trust God with our life. Now, if laundry and dishes and grocery shopping isn't work for you, well, we'll be praying for you. Like, it's a little weird, but you know, like, but if you're like, hey, this is how I love to serve this way. Or this is something I love to do. Do it on the Sabbath. Do it on your Sabbath. But if it's work to you, stop it. Genesis 2, 2 is an invitation for us to look how our father stopped and rested. In fact, I was even reminded this week of a, of a company named B&H and it's a, an electronic sales company. They also sell cameras and we've used them before as a church. And one thing I've learned about this company is that they have uh, uh, in their, in their culture, they have integrated this idea of a Sabbath. And by the way, if I didn't say it, they're second in sales to Amazon in all electronics. And so it's a big deal. They do a lot of work. And so there was a reporter that right around Thanksgiving heard about what they did and they were shocked. And they were like, how in the world do you close on one of the busiest shopping days of the year, both your physical stores and your online stores? How in the world do you close? Why do you do this? And they looked at him and they said, because we respond to a higher authority. I was thinking about that. And it reminded me of Paul writing to the Corinthians. He was explaining that in Christ, we have freedom. There are, there, that there are certain things that we can do, but just because we can do certain things doesn't mean we should do everything. And in 1 Corinthians 6, it says this, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. See, our lives should not be identified, dominated by what we do. And if you're here today and your identity is found in your career, in your job, what you do, let's even make it a little more spiritual. If your identity is in your job title and what you do as a church or the job title you wish you had or the one that you don't have, and, and if your identity is all wrapped up in the whole thing, you're missing the point that we should not be identified by what we do. Our first and foremost identity should be in Christ. That's our identity, who we have a relationship with. When, the Sabbath, when we Sabbath, we're saying no to idols, no to the idols of performance, no to the idols of accolades and what we can accomplish. And when we Sabbath, we're saying yes to our relationship with God. That's what we're doing when we practice the Sabbath. We are saying just like the children of Israel, we're not human doings, we're human beings. And we answer to a higher authority. The second word for us is rest. Now earlier, I read from Exodus, the Ten Commandments, but it's repeated again in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And Deuteronomy means the retelling. And so Moses is retelling some stories. That's how he's starting off the book, and he's starting to retell how he got the Ten Commandments. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 15, it says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. See, Moses, he's retelling the story about how he got the Ten Commandments, and he's like, hey, children of Israel, do you remember that you were once slaves in this land of Egypt? that you once were just human doings, you were just identified by your work, but because of God's mighty hand and outstretched arms, he delivered you, he freed you from that, and now you are his people. And he's like, when you remember those truths, you'll be able to rest. Same is true for us when we stop and we remember what Jesus has done for us, we can find rest in him. Jesus has rescued us from sin and darkness, and we now have a relationship with God. And so when we remember what Jesus has done for us, we can stop and we can rest in him. In fact, that's kind of what the author of Hebrews is talking about in Hebrews chapter four. But even Jesus said it this way in Matthew 11. He said, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, Some of us would say amen right there, right? And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus brings rest. Pharaoh brings burdensome work. Now you might not have a literal Pharaoh on your back, Although some of you might be like, well, you haven't met my boss yet, you know. (laughs) But we all have an inner Pharaoh telling us and driving us saying that we can't stop our work. This is why we have such a hard time with silence and not doing anything. We've been so conditioned to always be doing something that what we're doing is we're missing out on what God wants to give us. And what God wants to give us is rest. In fact, I love what Psalm 46.10 says. It says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I'm God. Uh, Some of you, I don't know if you've been around a a kid, maybe your own child, maybe another child, and they're just squirming all over the place. They can't be still. And you're like, sit still, be still, calm down, you know. Maybe some of you wives are like, I'm married to that guy. You know, I'm telling him, be still, sit still, calm down, you know. But that's what we've got to say to our souls sometimes. Hey, soul, be still. Chill out. Calm down for a second. Then I love what David later on says in Psalm 131. He says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. I want you to notice that this doesn't happen by accident. David didn't just wake up one day and go, well, all right, my soul is all calm now, good to go. No, he was intentional about it. He stilled and quieted his soul. Be still and still your soul. Have the discipline, like we just said, to not be mastered by anything, by the busyness of life, but have the discipline, through the power of Jesus, to think about the goodness of God. For some of you here today, the simple thing you need to do is you just need to take five minutes. and you just need to go you need to be still. You need to remember that God created you. He created you, and and he wants you to love him, and he wants to love you, and he wants to have this relationship with you. So for many of us, what we just need to do is be still and think about the goodness of our God. If you're here and you feel like your soul has been restless for too long, You've been looking for things that bring satisfaction, that bring meaning, that that you just feel like there's something that can't fill that void inside of you, something that you're trying to find that makes you feel significant or that you have a purpose in life. Listen, you have a Christ-shaped void in your life and the only thing that can fill that is Jesus. Our souls will be restless until we find rest in him. So we stop and we remember who Jesus is and when we remember that, we can find rest in him. The third one is rejoice. We don't have a lot of time right now, but I would encourage you later to go back through and read the creation story. And when you read the creation story in Genesis 1, you'll go back and you'll see that it says that uh, God created this and it was good. God created that and it was good. And, And you'll see that theme. And then that'll lead you right into Genesis chapter 2. And it'll say that God rested. And we know that it wasn't because he was tired, right? We just talked about that. But God, when he stopped his work, what's happening there is he is rejoicing over what he has created. And so the Sabbath is a day of rejoicing. In fact, Isaiah 58 says that the Sabbath, we are to, when we Sabbath, we are to delight or what we could say is rejoice in the Lord. The the, the Sabbath shouldn't be a day where we stop and rest and but it should also be a day where we have joy, where we are remembering and celebrating God is our creator, and God is our redeemer. See, if your Sabbath is all about what you can't do or what you might be missing out on, you're missing the point of the Sabbath. You're missing one of the key core components of the Sabbath, and that is joy. So many people, we're on our quest to find joy and to find happiness. What's great is that God, through these sacred rhythms has given us that core component of joy. Sometimes I think the older we get, sometimes the more joy deficient we become. Like when I take my kids to the playground or or I take them to the trampoline park here, I don't go, all right, kids, here's how to have fun. Here's how we have some joy here, right? Like they know how to do it all on their own. They got it figured out. I think sometimes the older we get, the more joy deficient we become. And I was thinking about that. And and one thing I noticed is that as you read the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one thing that you'll notice over and over and over again is that Jesus healed people. But one thing you'll notice too is that Jesus sometimes healed people specifically on the Sabbath. And I read that and I was like, well, why did Jesus heal people on the Sabbath? Why didn't he just heal people like on a Wednesday? Like that, why is he doing that? The more I was reading, the more I was looking into it, What I was finding out is that the the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees of that day, they were adding all these rules, all these laws onto the Sabbath. And they get away. They were robbing the joy that the Sabbath was supposed to be. And so when Jesus would heal... It was almost like, well, why are you doing that? Why are you breaking all these rules? Why are you being a killjoy, Jesus? And I think Jesus is trying to remove these undue rules placed on the Sabbath and to remind us that God's power still moves even on the Sabbath and we can take delight and joy in that. So the Sabbath is supposed to be a day of joy, celebrating God as our creator, God as our redeemer. And here's the last word, it's meditate. The Sabbath isn't just a day for us to veg out and watch TV. It's not a day to just do what I want to do, you know, when I want to do it. It can be those things, but it shouldn't be dominated by those things. It's not a day to catch up on all the tasks that we missed. But It is a day for meditating. It's a day for worshiping God. In fact, Psalm 1 says it this way, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day day and night. Sometimes I think when we hear the word meditation, though, we think of Eastern religions, the people with their legs crossed and their arms out, they're closing their eyes, they're thinking of their happy place, and they're like, oh, you know, but that's not what I'm talking about when I'm talking about meditation. Meditation is something greater than that. It's the quiet contemplation of spiritual truths. See, when we meditate on the Sabbath, we are worshiping God, We are reading God's word. We are talking to God. We are praying. You might even want to sing on your Sabbath as well. But we are aware of the presence of God and the gifts of God. So yes, sleep in. Pause your work. Stop that work. Rest a little bit. Find something that brings you joy. But also make sure that you remember what God has done for you and worship him because of that. I believe when we practice these four truths, We are practicing a rhythm of life that God intended for us. We're practicing the sacred rhythm that he's given us in his word. The Sabbath is an invitation for us to trust. And the Sabbath is an answer to a very simple question, a common question that we all wrestle with every single day and every single week. And that question is, who is in control of your world, of your life? Is it God or is it you? I love going to New York City, and, and I love seeing all the different things, and it's one of my favorite places to go. And one place that I really like to go is Rockefeller Center. And you've probably seen this statue uh, at, at Rockefeller Center on TV, or maybe you've been there in person, or in the movies, but this, it's a statue of Atlas. It's a golden statue, and this guy, he's like, like this, and he's got this huge world on his back. And you just see him. He's bearing the weight. He feels the weight of the world on his shoulders. But what I love about it is that he's looking straight ahead at a church. But it's even deeper than that, because when you walk inside the church, what you'll see is you'll see Jesus standing right there with the world in his hands. And I love that juxtaposition, that contrast of here's Atlas feeling the weight of the world, all the burdens, and there's Jesus going, I've got it all. It's all in my hands. I love what Colossians even says. Colossians 1.17, it says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus holds the world together. And because Jesus is holding the world together through his death and resurrection, we can let go for a little while, and we can rest in him. See, I think some of you here today, you probably feel like Atlas, You're probably feeling the weight, the burden, the responsibilities of your house, of your world, of your work, just resting on your shoulders. And I think Jesus is standing there going, I've got the whole world in my hands. Do we need to sing that grade school song, you know? He's got the whole, no, we're not going to do it, okay? But, But we feel that responsibility. See, the Sabbath is a day for us to step back. It's a day for us to remind ourselves who's really in control. See, because the Sabbath is a gift, it's a privilege that we get to walk into, that we get to live in. And if you're feeling restless today, maybe it's time for you to look at these sacred rhythms that we've talked about and to have a Sabbath and to be invited into that rest.